The following show has been rated. Just use your common sense for heaven's sake, will you? If you think you might be possibly offended by adult themes, coarse humour, and a few cleverly placed expletives, then please, please, please turn off now before it's too late. Go and make yourself some cocoa. You've been warned. Women, written by Margaret Callahan and performed by Jeanette Fogo in Glasgow, Scotland. I don't know about you, Father Gillespie, but I think God will see I'm doing more good than harm in the end. When he comes to weighing it up, all those women that I've helped, well, that should keep me out of the bad fire. I'd expect a bit of purgatory time, but after that, I'd get in with the angels and Mother Teresa. She's the type to have a big pot of soup on. Oh, mind, Father, the minute you hear I'm dying, get yourself over with a quick last rites to wipe the slate clean before I go. You jump in a taxi, a hackney if you have to, no expense spared, you just stick it on the bill with the rest. Our Carol will see you right. Now, I was telling you last time that I was going to help you with that wee problem that you have. I saw a gadget on the internet, the YouTube. You see, I know tricks that your housekeeper hasn't even heard of. And she's not getting any younger and she can't get down on her knees like I can. And she definitely does not have my flexibility. Oh no, just let me finish. There's no shame in it, Father. I know you've got a lot to learn and all men feel the same way at first, especially priests. I was new to it myself not so long ago. I had no interest when I was young. So, when the gadget came through the post, I was that excited. Oh, don't look so worried, Father. It's really straightforward. Honest it is. Even a man could manage it. See, mine is always spotless, spotless, inside and out. Because I take the U-bend off when I clean it and I use a bottle of Mr Muscle a week and that kills everything, everything, stone dead. So, my dream was no use. So I went round to Carol's. But that's Veronica's daughter. Veronica's my sister. You met her at the Christmas vigil? The man with a torn face. Hmm. Anyway, she's got five girls. I mean, she was trying for a boy, though why anybody would want a boy, I'll never know. No offence, Father. You see, I think if Jesus was alive today, his apostles would be women. Actually, I think Jesus would be a woman. Although he had a few good ideas for a man. The loaves into fishes. That was good. The water into wine. That was good. The dying bit. Not so good. Oh, it was only for the weekend and it was back in the Sunday morning, so not even a whole weekend, but still, you'd never really go over it. And a woman wouldn't have done that. She wouldn't have upset her mammy like that. So, anyway, <laughs> you were asking me about my sister's girls. Long hair. All five. They wash it every day. So I just pumped and pumped it and I got a big dirty looking rat's tail coming up and it was stinking so it was. I put the pictures on the Facebook. Oh, you have never seen anything like it in your life. Oh, I'll get one for you. Your drain will never run better. Right, Father. Pop in for a cup of tea any time you like. We've got blue ribbons and snowballs. 
I need to get on and so do you. There's a huge queue behind me. I've been having a good look at them whilst I've been waiting and wondering what they've done. Wickedness in this parish. Oh, oh I know you won't tell me. The sanctity of the confession box. But your heart must be roasted with it all. Dole out a right few rosaries. I'll get away. So, what's my penance this week, Father? Repolished by Vivian C. Lermond. Performed by Kristen Green, Columbus, Ohio. Tonight, cotton candy clouds slide across the moon like listless ghosts. Like lost dreams seeking a destination. My dad says I'm a hopeless dreamer and that my teenage dreams won't come true. So, I just got to thinking, where do dreams go when they die? A somewhere land of disintegrated stardust? Or a mystic kind of place where hope is repolished? Hopeless teenage dreams? My dad got it wrong. I believe in hope, in the chance for every dream to be repolished and return in a new, unclouded incarnation, lighting my way like morning sun climbing into day. And for me, that dream feels real. Hello. Yes, am I through to NHS 24? Yes, I'd like some advice on suspected food poisoning. What? Oh, okay, I'll hold. I blame Jack for this. Ever since he and Moira turned 60 and started going on those silver tripper holidays, they reckon they've got exotic tastes. They've been trekking with Bedouins in the Atlas Mountains, sailing on the Nile, camping in the Serengeti. Jack says a lion walked right past their tent one night. Closest I've been to a big pussy in a long time, he says, and does that big dirty laugh of his. Moira just smiles. I don't think she gets it. Apparently neither does he. Anyway... They insisted George and I met them for dinner last night in a new Albanian-Scottish fusion restaurant in Finiston. It's called Alba Niar. George liked that. He kept telling the taxi driver on the way there, We're going to Alba Niar. He nearly took us to the airport. So we arrived there first, on time, as usual. I do like punctuality. Jack says, punctuality is the virtue of the board. I sometimes wonder why we're friends. Anyway, a waitress met us as we came in and asked us, do you have reservations? I said, well, frankly, yes, but I'm prepared to give it a try. She gave us a funny look, but led us to a nice table by the window where we could watch for Jack and Moira arriving. We'd read the menu right through by the time they joined us. But Moira sat next to me. I pointed out to her that the waitress was wearing an interesting costume that seemed to have a bit of Scottish influence as well as, I assumed, Albanian. So Moira knows a bit about these things. What's the tartan? I asked her. But before she could answer, Jack butts in with a long dress and that laugh of his. Moira just smiled. But Jack insisted on ordering for us all. We had Zoggy's bonbons to start. A bit like haggis, really. Inverhog... Hod... Hod... Eh... Lamb stew. Raspberry tyrannican. 
and then we shared a Norman Wisdom cheese board. Well, I have to say the Albanian wine was very nice. Very, very nice. Apparently it's called Vera. I must tell my good friend in the choir that in Albania she'd be wine. I think she prefers gin, though. Jack regaled us throughout the meal with all the details of their next planned adventure. Walking with the Romans through Germany and France. George said, could he not just walk along the Antonine Wall? But that didn't go down well. Although Moira smiled. Anyway, sounds like a lot of it will be done by train. Didn't know the Romans had them. I have to admit, Jack does tell a good story. The time just flew by. And by the time we left, I was quite tipsy. But I hadn't really eaten very much at all. I was just a wee bit weary. Anyway, it was George's suggestion to drop by the burger van on the way home. This is Belle, ex-wife of a beast, by Jennifer O'Grady from Pelham, New York. My name is Emily Hageman, and I will be playing the role of Belle. It all started with my name. I mean, Belle. Gives you some idea what my father valued. And if you don't speak French, it means beautiful. Okay, beautiful. And then he dumped me there, only I was too stupid to feel anything but love for him. I, I'm talking about my father. And like the good girl I was, I wanted to help him. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't thrilled about it. Going to live with some animal slash human who roared and looked hideous. Not my idea of fun or even safety. But there was my father, all I'm so sorry, Bill, with tears streaming down his face. So off I went. And the beast, that's what he called himself. He liked to play games. What did I know? I was just a kid. So I was like, okay, Mr. Beast, I'll pretend I don't see how disgusting you are. And he smelled, oh my gosh, so bad. And what did he see in me? Oh, you think kindness, right? That's what you've heard. Guess again. Think about my name. If I didn't look like this, my father would have changed my name to something less beautiful. I'd be standing here as, say, Jane or Hilda. But no, I'm Belle. Get it? And the beast? Like most males, he didn't realize how grotesque he was. I mean, my father was bald, completely bald, and he was still like, Oh, how do you do, beautiful woman? May I take you to dinner? And you heard the beast was unhappy with himself, right? But it wasn't with the way he looked. He was unhappy about the things he wasn't able to do, because you know he was a beast. No woman wanted him. Also, he was huge. I mean, he was really tall and wide and super hairy. So, <clears throat> there I was, trying to survive, hoping he wouldn't attack me, and waiting for some prince to rescue me, because that's how I was raised. Belle, you need a man. Oh, a man will do that for you, Belle, and on and on. But living in the Beast's castle, I was finally forced to rely on just myself. And he was moody and sometimes nasty. Well... <laughs> I can understand. He was gross and he didn't smell nice. And what choice did I have? I was in prison there. I had to be nice to him. I didn't want him to eat me. Then eventually one day, poof, he wasn't a beast anymore. He was a good looking man and he was polite then. And there I was, raised to be needing men. So when he asked me to marry him, of course, I said yes. What did I know of love? I thought love was being abandoned by my father. I thought love was not being eaten. So we got married. Here comes the bride. And then he reverted back to what I guess were his typical princely ways. Going off to fight battles, rescuing damsels in distress. There were a lot of those. And basically, he just wasn't home much. I had a lot of time to think. And I began to see that I was being abandoned all over again, just this time by my husband. And that basically men suck. So, here I am, with my suitcase. I, I'm thinking of becoming a pilot, or, or maybe the captain of an ocean liner, because my father lied. Women can do anything. And my husband is boring and doesn't even know it. So, 
I'll see you in the sky, or, or maybe out on the ocean, where I'll be living, finally, happily ever after, just me, without them. See you later. Turn the lights on. I want you to see me. See, this is what I look like. Que bonita. Tomorrow you'll come to work with us in the factory. What? If we don't help your sister, who else is going to? What do you mean not going to college? Anna has an appetite for life. Are you going to be working here full time? Just until I find a better job. Oh, me too. I'm just working here until I win the lottery. For love. I had a nice night tonight. I guess this is good night. For ideas. A man wants a virgin. You're so old-fashioned. A woman has thoughts. A mind of her own. A mind. Thoughts? But not everyone appreciates where it's taking her. Anna is going to go to college, but not now. We are a family, and we intend to stay that way. This is a sweatshop. I'm grateful for what Amma has taught me, and I'm proud of what I do. Gosa. Jimmy, does your mom understand you? You'll never fit into that one. It's a size seven. It's like she hates me. She thinks I'm fat, and I'm ugly, and God knows what. You're not fat. You're beautiful. You would say that, wouldn't you? I'm not your baby anymore. What is wrong with your sister? Girls nowadays think they know so It's so hot in here. The two of you should lose weight. This is who we are, Mama. I look like a cow. Mostly shut up. Look at my hips. You want to see cellulite? Here we go. Hana, excuse me, ladies. You want stretch marks? Estela. Ladies, oh, look how beautiful we are. Who cares what we look like? Let's let it all hang out. <laughs> you could be beautiful. Stop it. You're overweight, too. So why should I listen to you? Real women have curves. Hana, don't be the fly. join me. I really could do with a bit of company. No one really talks to anybody nowadays unless they're blood relatives or they want something from them. Come on, throw caution to the wind. Sit down and have a drink with me. What harm can it do? Night's a fair drawing in. Oh, there you are. You've all got a drink. Good. Now, I hope you're all quite unshockable. Don't worry, I'll explain myself. First, you must understand, I'm just having a wee dram in honour of something dying out. Something I'm going to miss quite a lot. Still puzzled? Okay, I'll just spit it out. I'm missing, really missing, a wee bit of sexual harassment. Especially at work, you know. Otherwise, everything's just too fucking excruciatingly, mind-numbingly boring. Don't you agree? Oh, you must agree. Just a teeny-weeny little bit. Oh, no. Don't look, please don't look so shocked. We're all grown-ups here, are we not? I don't mean the nasty stuff. Not the really horrible things, the, the rapes or the evil kiddie fiddling or the Harvey Weinsteins. Mind you, sometimes a well-aimed kick in the ghoulers is enough to take care of the latter. I know. Oh, you know, I'm a woman of great experience. Perhaps you already expected that. I can't speak for the opposite sex. I'm all woman. The last of a dying breed, I fear. But I am sensitive, I like to think, to all. <laughs> not, of course, it's not the nasties I mean. It's things like being given the eye, a wee bit of the F word. No, not that one particularly. I mean flirting. Eyes across a crowded room. Instant connection, that sort of thing. The brushing of hands, the electricity, excitement of being alive. Got it? 
Or do I have to feed you a few more cliches? I hope not. It's really rather dull, darlings. And before you ask, I may be on the way to the dinosaur status, but hell, I'm not nearly there yet. By which I mean I'm no old reactionary bigot. Woman, woman, man, man, it's all okay with me. Just as long as the children, animals, elderly and vulnerable are safe. Rest of us need to look for ourselves. Don't you think that's more exciting than Facebook and Twitter and Tinder, etc.? Making one's own choice, I mean, rather than enduring a technological filtering process. And don't you dare tell me you've never met anyone. Get out there, even if it's not far. Choose for yourself, I say. Don't let someone or something else do it for you. These days, one's liable to get arrested if one so much as touches someone's hand. This isn't progress. We'll be covering up chair legs again, pretending women don't have legs. Back to the Victorians. Look at all the corruption that covered up in its turn. <sighs> don't get me wrong. I don't want to be objectified. No one's ever thought of me as a pair of tits or rather shapely derriere, even if I do say so myself. And if you're wondering when a woman's prime is, you're looking at it, guys. I'm also not sure I want to be subjectified. Not even sure what it means. If you really want to know, all I want is to be me, a unique individual, neither above you nor beneath you, just little old me. Fuck, there I go again, putting myself down, as I've been conditioned to do. I can see you're getting a little bored. You've humoured the old bat long enough. Goodness, how sad. You really might have learned something, you know. Slanch. Cheers. Or even bottoms up, if <laughs> it's not too cheeky. Well, have a nice life. Think a little. Don't forget to come up and see me sometime. Come to my salon. Lyrics by Ariana Rose, Miami Beach, Florida, USA. Music by Robbie Stamper, Orlando, Florida, USA. Performed by Ariana Rose. Bonjour, bonjour, welcome to Le Beau This is where we do your hair. Have a seat, come and meet all of the girls who have an to spare get a trim on a whim try a different style a wave or else a chignon if you're clamoring to hear all the news come to my salon rat it up chat it up comb it out and tease a bit tell us what you heard last night Wash and set, you will get each juicy bite of Lizzie's terrible fight. Final rinse, ever since I was 17, I've known of each goings on. If you're quivering to dish all the dirt, come to my salon. If you know of a tete-a-tete, come and set a spell. One single soul I've met Who's not dying to tell Wash and dry, tell me why Dodie left his wife Or why romance makes you yawn If you're hankering to spill all the beans Come to my salon Got a secret Come right in Got a Chair for a spin Brush and spray, dye the grey Give me all the scoop On who is carrying on If you're pondering a new kind of do If you're wondering which rumours are true If you're worrying what's said about you Then come to
Hello, I'm Kristen, and I am a voice actor and the music director from It's All Been Done Radio Hour. I'm from Toledo, Ohio, and you are listening to Writer's Block on Super Sound Radio. Oh, Your English by Vivian Wilson. Oh, she said, you're English. She'd seen me before, but hadn't heard me speak. She didn't hide her disappointment. Whereabouts in England are you from? This is a hard question for me to answer. I'm one of those London mongrels, I reply. I was born in London, but only lived there for the first few years of my life, and neither of my parents are Londoners. I see, she says, looking as if she doesn't see at all, that this doesn't answer her question adequately. Right, she says. So... Where in England did you grow up? I didn't spend my whole childhood in England, but I've lived in Gillingham, in Kent, Sussex, Southampton, Basingstoke and Manchester. Where did you live when you weren't in England, she probes. I can see that she's trying to categorise me now. Swansea. By the look of her, this isn't a good enough answer. Which school did you go to when you were at secondary school? Beacon, I say. You went to a Beacon school? No, no, I went to Beacon school, not a Beacon school. Beacon school is a comprehensive school in Sussex. It's the second biggest school in England. She tells me she's never heard of of it. I get that confused look again. So, where are your parents from? My mum was Gibraltarian and my dad is from Stockport. Oh, so your mum was Spanish? No, my mum was British, but my grandmother, her mum was Spanish. She was from Andalusia and moved to Jib to get away from the fascists before the Civil War. My grandfather was descended from Genoese and Scottish people, like most Gibraltarians. Oh, right, but your dad's family are all English. Most of them came from the Manchester area. Like a lot of Mancunians, though, my dad had a Liverpool Irish grandmother. There's some French ancestors who escaped from the revolution, too. Right, she says. How long have you lived in Scotland for? 28 years, I say. Longer than I lived in England for. But you're still English. I'm not sure if this is a statement or a question. I think I'm quite typically English. I'm proud of being a daughter of a Dolly mixture nation. Proud to be English and proud to be a refugee. Black rook in rainy weather. On a stiff twig up there hunches a wet black rook arranging and rearranging its feathers in the rain. I do not expect a miracle or an accident to set the sight on fire in my eye. I seek no more in the desultory weather some design, but let spotted leaves fall as they fall without ceremony or portent. The Pity and the Sorrow by D. Lee Miller Outside a Burning Building I guess this isn't a good time to show you my apartment with the building on fire and all. Just imagine. Great view, top floor, small balcony, recently renovated kitchen, fully furnished. I've bought dozens of perspectives up there, but I get a good feeling from you. And I've been looking for a roommate for a while. The last thing you want is a weird roommate, so it's always best to be up front. I've tried women, men, loners, some with families larger than my lecture classes. Oh, I teach. It's stabilizing for me. I've looked at all ages, sexuality, nothing bothers me. Watch the water, it's streaming this way. Those are such nice shoes. 
I never had the courage to wear lime green. Why don't you move to the sidewalk? Yeah, you've got to wonder how sub roommates find each other. One lady I met, I called the knitter bug. She showed me pictures of all the things she knitted, covers for the sofa, lamps, even the microwave. Oh, you can see the reflections of the flames in your glasses. I've always liked firemen. Let's step back. It's getting hotter. I interviewed a young man, too. Couldn't get over that I was a professor. He kept answering what he thought I'd hoped he'd answer. Finally, I said, sleep with me. And he did. No backbone. Do you have a place to stay now? That's good. Well, I still need a roommate. They'll rebuild. When I was little, there was this old abandoned house, perfect for ghost stories that caught on fire, just like this. I remember huge flames, oranges, yellows. Maybe that was the genesis of the curse. <laughs> I know, I laughed too. I went to a palm reader. And, you know, only once, and that's what she called it. Anyway, I told her, sometimes when I feel sorry for people, I get what I feel sorry for. Like, I felt bad for those kids from that house who had nothing, and then, poof, my father lost his job. I know it wasn't my fault, but uh, he was out of work for years. Oh. 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 Oh, my. Whoa. That was scary. There goes the top floor. A few years ago, a roommate lost her job because she made porn films, and then I lost my job. I decided right then and there I needed to be more selective about what I pitied. Like, don't pity the poor. People with glucose intolerance? Alcoholics I don't worry about because I started drinking on my own. Why are you looking at me? You think I did this? Said Fart. No, I am not an arsonist. If anyone was, it would be my very last roommate who was so destructive. I felt so bad for her. She just couldn't stop herself. So listen. Do you think I could uh, stay with you until we find something? I mean, I, I feel terrible. Here you could have been moving into your new home and now you have to wait. And I know how hard it is to find a good roommate. This piece is called Rocket Nan. It's written and performed by Stephanie McGill from The Wirral. I don't like Richard Branson. I'd go so far as to say I despise him. Even when he was still popular and I was a kid, I didn't trust him. Then Nan won the competition in Chat Magazine. She said I could go with her because I'd bought her the magazine. My cousin said it was because I was her favourite. I knew she'd done it to piss the cousins off, which was the main reason I accepted. You could see the disappointment on Branson's face as soon as he clapped eyes on us at the press conference, trotted out as the lucky ones being launched into orbit on his shuttle. I think he was hoping for a social media influencer, someone with honey-toned skin, a dazzling smile, and most importantly, billions of followers who'd be clamouring for a place on his next launch. He got me and Nan. She's good at influencing me into a second pudding when I should know better because I've got another bridesmaid's dress to fit into. A smile is dazzling because her teeth aren't her own. I can barely influence myself to get out of bed. 
I doubt our presence on the flight would boost Virgin Galactic sales in any way. Nan had brought her own butties, turned down the canapes. After an unfortunate interaction with something in pastry that I thought was a mini steak bake, but turned out to be fish. I wish I'd followed a lead. Branson put his arms round both of us and gurned at the cameras. I didn't know it was possible to smile through gritted teeth, but he managed it. The twat. Nan told him off for the rude name of his company and then said to the press, It's a good job he doesn't insist on real virgins. I've got six kids. I won't bore you with the details of the shuttle launch. As Nan said, it's very like flying to Corfu. What I will say is, looking back upon the Earth from this far into space, it was hard to imagine what had happened. I wish now I'd eaten more of Nan's sponge and custard when I had the chance, as it doesn't look like we'll be going home any time soon. Formed by Donna Latham. I see you, girly. Yes, you. All wide-eyed and nonchalant. Peeking out behind that extra-large Dr. Pepper Slurpee. Spying under the bleachers. Mouth agape. Gawking at my beehive like you're catching teetsy flies. Didn't anyone teach you? It's uncouth to point. Now, since you're dying to inquire... I am Brigitte Beehive Baudelaire. I don't like to brag, but I cannot lie. Meet the star sprinter and captain of the 1964 Texas women's track team of Abilene. State champions, two years running. Now, this conical bouffant you can't drag your eyes from. Behold the aerodynamic wonder of the Boeing B-52 strategic bomber. Perched high above my tracksuit, high, high atop my noggin. Secret of my success. Oh, sugar bee, of course it's all mine. <laughs> Just spritching a touch up before my sprint. Buzzing over for a closer gander. I'm delighted to share secrets. We women must lift each other up, up, up. The higher the hair. The higher the hive, <laughs> the higher the hive, the closer to heaven. Oh, of course it takes buckets of time. It's not a short distance kind of do. And I am not a wash and wear kind of gal. Uh, no offense, man. <laughs> Beehive Baudelaire is many things, but she is certainly not a cheater. I repeat, it's all mine. Wouldn't dream of sneaking in extra oomph. No upside-down Tupperware container hidden in the hive. <laughs> or a copper jello mold. Sure as heck won't squeal on my teammates' beauty secrets, though. Thank heavens I'm versatile. Ambidextrous. A wizard with the teasing comb. Now, body alignment is essential. I begin with a four-point stance for muscle pretension. Then I slowly rise and dip into a graceful quasi-back bend. Hands free like so. Then I flip my locks backwards, let them hang on down, band them up at the crown, and have at it. Once I've poofed a furry mound of backcomb fluff, time to tame the frizz and camouflage it. This requires the precision of a facial plastic surgeon, the steady hand of Dr. Logan, who performed my septoplasty, a strategically slick straight hair around the poof, like so. Next, I summon skills of a French patissier. I swirl and whirl and spiral those slick tresses, 
sculpt them like meringue on a sweet potato pie, or whipped cream on strawberry shortcake, if that's what delights your palate. But still glossy, still sleek. Now, sugar, you might want to take a giant step backwards. And for mercy's sake, put out that cigarette, or we'll become the first ladies on Mars. This is what you were spying on before. Gotta like my do in place. I swear by Aquanet in the purple can, I just spray, spray, spray the bejesus out of that beehive. Now this little bitty bumblebee hairpin, piesta resistance. I got to run, sugar, literally. Now you head on up to the stands. Hoot and holler for your team. Behold the aerodynamic wonder of the Boeing B-52 strategic bomber. I'm gonna win this sprint. Gonna medal for the team and race us to state again. My beehive always soars across the finish line first. Secret of success. Hi, I'm Jackie Sands from Paisley and I'm a Strategic Arts and Health Coordinator. You're listening to Women's Voices as part of Writer's Block Radio Hour, only on Supersound Radio. This is Mud Stars by Christine Foster, read by Christine Foster in Mexico. I woke up wound up. I do that a lot. Sometimes it's from a dream, sometimes from a memory, or sometimes it's just some unnamed uneasiness, treacherous as a patch of black ice on a road where yesterday I mostly had traction. I would try doing the salute to the sun, but I bashed my knee on the corner of a dresser drawer last night. Oh, but there's got to be some advice in my enlightenment toolkit, something to refocus and realign my sagging psyche. I can usually remember a few of them. Uh, Nothing matters but the present moment. Right, but there's this throbbing me. You must love what is, whatever it is, without question or any wish to change it. Again, the knee thing. You were born with wings. Don't crawl through life. Still the knee, really. In fact, this moment, this morning, every nugget of pat inspiration ricochets back out into the universal whatever. I might as well have aluminum pie plates over my chakras. But I keep trying. There are no coincidences and no accidents. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, none of your current worries will matter in five years' time. I'm not sure on that one, but don't tell me we won't have other worries by then. And then I remember the most important advice of all. Don't be so hard on yourself. You are a child of the universe. You have the right to be here. And turn up that self-care because, as they say on Pinterest, you can't pour from an empty cup. I limp outside. I breathe the not-too-bad air. Treat everyone you meet as if we'll all be dead by midnight. Will do. But the street is empty. Oh, no, it's not. My driveway runs beside a vacant lot. Raspberry canes, dandelions, thistles. And on the pavement beside it sits a small girl in a yellow sweater wearing red rubber boots. And next to her is a pinky brown ball, the inflatable kind we used to use for dodgeball. And she leans one elbow on it as she reaches down with her other hand and scoops up mud from the gutter with her fingers. Her tangle of hair falls forward as she begins to draw designs on her red boots with the mud. Now, one useful thing that I have discovered is that if you can feel all right, 
for just a few minutes, you can almost always feel all right a little bit longer, and then a little longer. And during those brief moments, for those few moments, you don't need to think about anything else. You can simply be a woman watching a little girl drawing mud stars on her boots with her finger. And you know what? Sometimes that's just fine for now. A teacher once told me I was the mistress of self-reinvention. It's like having a secret. And nobody but me knows I'm doing it. I saw her. I saw her from the train. She was, she was with this man. Just for a second. Is this her? Can you tell me where you were Friday night? I was in the city, and then I went to visit my husband. You mean your ex-husband? My understanding that the woman who has gone missing was his nanny. Rachel, I need you to stay away. So what did you do during those hours that night? I don't remember. There's some time missing. What happened that night? Magnetism by Anya King I've had to stop shopping in the co-op. It's the freezers. They put in new freezers, upright freezers with doors, to keep the cold in, I expect. I suppose it's more efficient, better for the planet or something. Anyway, I've started going to Tesco. Tesco still has proper chest freezers with open tops, a whole aisle of them. You can feel the air cooling down as you turn the corner by the gluten-free bread. It's not as nice as the co-op, though. It's a bit common. Mountains of cheap barbecue meat and sweets at the checkouts instead of fresh fruit. A bit rough. There's always a beggar or two outside. Tesco sell cheap cider. I'd have gone back to the co-op in a flash, if it wasn't for the freezers. And the assistant manager, Andy. It says Andy on his badge. He's tall, with broad shoulders, inky dark hair, and his eyes, oh, piercing, glittering. He looks at you. Do you need any help packing? And you can't look away. Magnetic. I've been magnetized. Who would have thought it? I'm not sure what's more astonishing, that a little tiny magnet in your underwear can change your life or that one of Evelyn's madcap alternative medical ideas actually works. The mood swings are still a problem, and the night sweats, but no one sees those. The hot flushes, oh dear. Blazing, dripping, shaking, pounding. Any time, anywhere. Anywhere it's most public and embarrassing. Escalators, committee meetings, supermarkets. At least the supermarket has freezers. And Andy... Don't laugh, I said to Evelyn. It's the first faint, fleeting feeling of interest in ages 
So, thank you for the knicker magnet. Knicker magnet! Evelyn laughed so hard, Prosecco came down her nose. She can be quite coarse sometimes. Go get him, tiger! I didn't tell her that I accidentally put it in the wash with my briefs and had to pay a repairman £75 to retrieve it from the innards of my washer-dryer. I was mortified when he dropped the very clean blue heart into my hand. My wife had one of them, he laughed. Fell out of her knickers upside down on a fairground ride and whacked some poor old bloke on the head. But it wasn't a fairground ride that was my undoing. It was my friend and ally, the Tesco Freezer. I was in the wine aisle, trying to find a decent South African less than £8.14% when I felt it coming. That sudden hot pull all over, my skin trying to climb off me, the prickle as my scalp started sweating, itching and stinging, the crushing grip of panic. I flung any old plonk into the basket and made a dash for the freezer aisle. I tried to hurry without actually running, my heels skidding on the slippery floor. People were tatting at me for not obeying the one-way system and the two-meter distance stickers. I clattered past the artisan breads and crashed straight into some poor skivvy mopping the floor. For one mad moment, I actually thought of ducking my burning head in the mop bucket. I tried to do a sort of hop step over the mop, but the wretched girl panicked. I was too close, not social distancing, and she swung it upwards just at that moment. Whoosh! I got a slap of cold, wet mop up my skirt, right in the crotch. Sorry, madam. I skidded away from her, sweat flying off me, and grabbed the edge of the freezer. And that's when it happened. Snap! I was attached. My... My front, my lower front, I was stuck magnetically to the front of the freezer. Oh, good Lord. It was full of frozen pizzas, of all things. I pretended I was reading the packaging, trying not to attract attention, trying to pull myself off. But I just couldn't budge. The best I could manage was sliding sideways one way and then the other. My blouse was soaked with sweat now. Are you all right, madam? The girl with the mop bucket was trying to be helpful from two metres away. Yes, yes, I'm fine. But I wasn't, obviously. If I was a man, it would have looked like, well, like a sexual assault on a freezer. I could feel a puddle of sweat in the front of my bra going cold. I was shivering, the post-adrenaline chill and the freezer. I thought if I could just get my hand down inside my skirt, get the magnet out. But my skirt was too tight and the zip is round the back. Can I help you? Oh, God. It was Andy. Assistant managing, piercing eyes blazing over his mask, and my face blushed deep hot red all over again. Andy came to my rescue, tall, dark and resourceful. He grabbed the mop and used it to shove me along the freezer front until I got to the corner, and then he slid it between my skirt front and the freezer and sort of levered me off the edge. Snap! My pale cream skirt was soaked with mop water. My blouse was stuck to me with sweat, my hair was in rat tails, and my face was beetroot streaked with melted mascara. Thank you, I managed to say. Every little helps, smiled Andy, who I now noticed is younger than my youngest son, and slightly spotty. I'll be shopping in Waitrose next week. Magnetism was written and recorded by Anya King. Lottie's Lament, a monologue by Vivian Lamont. So my sister Eloise says to me, Lottie, you need to find yourself a manly man. Backstory. We're talking about a woman who got herself married off to a scrawny guy named Saul with sciatica. Like his back goes out and they can't have sex. Saul has a new single co-worker named Simon, an accountant. She leads off. Do I look like a woman who needs a man who calculates his life in numbers? A guy as dry as a gin martini, hold the vermouth. I've invited Simon to dinner on Saturday. Oh, Lottie, do come, she pleads. Stupid me. I agree. 
That was a bloody mistake. Now, I'm not one for body shaming, but there was no way that Simon was going to strike a match to my pleasure pheromones. His chrome dome came eye level with my twin sister's. When he smiled, I got accosted with the landscape view of his overbite. He whistled his words through the glaring gap between his two front teeth. Table manners? Ha! <laughs> Simon slurped his soup, dribbled his sauce, and smacked his lips over the sorbet. I did my disaster dinner duty and was out of there by nine. All was not lost. I learned something. Eloise was right about one thing. I'm a manly man kind of woman. Next time she even thinks about a matchup, I'll tell her my kind of manly man looks like a bloke who plays for Manchester United. Yeah, maybe I need to get myself over to Wembley for a big score. Dust off your dreams. Lyrics by Ariana Rose, Miami Beach, Florida, USA. Music by Robbie Stamper, Orlando, Florida, USA. Performed by Robbie Stamper. Do you remember way back when, when you were nine and I was ten? All of the schemes we had in mind You made a list up in the tree All of the great things we would be That is a list I'd like to find Dust off your dreams, see what you've got Dust off your dreams and give it a shot Two extremes You'll be amazed If you just try And let them fly You were Columbus I was queen You sold the world at 17 Sit be a postcard With a plan Lost her hope along the way But now you're standing here today I see the boy inside the man I can see the boy inside off your dreams, see what you got Dust off your dreams, just give it a shot Go to extremes, you'll be amazed If you just try let them fly Use the compass inside your heart Find your own true north Go with it, that is where you gotta
You've been listening to Women's Voices with Karen Fraser, Vivian Lamond, Dee Miller, Natasha Gerson, Vivian Wilson, Jennifer O'Grady, Evelyn Laurie, Donna Latham, Stephanie McGill, Anya King, Ariana Rose, Margaret Callahan, Christine Foster, Josie Merkel, Jeanette Foggo, Kristen Green, Emily Hagman, Kate McCall, Jackie Sands, with Robbie Stamfer and David Linus. Women's Voices was curated by Karen Fraser and Vivian Lamond. It was produced and engineered by Glenn Dixon. Don't forget to join us next week at the same time.